Hello and welcome to episode three in series seven of State of Mind podcast with me, Grace Kingswell. Today I'm discussing fertility and pregnancy nutrition with my friend Cara Redpath, fellow nutritional therapist. Before you begin listening, I will say that if you're planning to conceive, then this is a truly useful episode and that if you're pregnant, then there's a lot of good info in here about supplements to take during pregnancy, diet, lifestyle and so on. Slight trigger warning, however, we do discuss a few topics that may be sensitive to some, so please bear that in mind as you go. Now, this episode isn't sponsored, but I am using it as a platform to tell you about a friend's business that I think is really exceptional. Listeners of this podcast, you may remember Alex Manos as a guest. Well, his wife, Katie, a medical herbalist, has just started Little Libra Botanicals, artisan herbal tea infusions designed with real purpose and thought. I've been enjoying the Awaken blend in the mornings, which is a combination of detoxifying herbs, including mint, citrus, dandelion and nettle leaf. The range has been created to help establish daily rituals and mindful moments, and it's really worth a try. I'm loving the tea so far. Head to Instagram at Little Libra Botanicals for more information. So on to today's episode with Cara and we discuss the concept of 12 months to make a baby, not nine, um, and the importance of preconception care, foods to consume and foods to avoid if you're planning to get pregnant and also whilst pregnant, breastfeeding, the importance of thyroid for pregnancy, thyroid health, gut health, the vaginal microbiome, and we discuss some studies that have seen probiotics hugely reduce risk of childhood allergies, and so much more information. It's truly a fascinating listen. And thank you so much to Cara for coming on as a guest. For more from her, you can find her online uh, on Instagram at Cara underscore Redpath underscore nutrition, and her links to her website and her clinical consultations are all on there too. So, on with the episode. Amazing! And I am live with my very lovely friend, Cara Redpath. Hi, Cara, how are you? Hi, Grace. I'm well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, really good, thanks. And so looking forward to diving into this topic today of fertility, nutrition and preparing for pregnancy. So before we get into the meaty questions, let's just tell the listeners who you are and what you do and all of that. Perfect. Well, uh, I am Cara Redpath and I live and work in Oban in the north of Scotland, northwest of Scotland. Um, And I run an online nutrition clinic, which is fab because it means I can see anyone now, which is brilliant. Um, and I specialize primarily in female health, female pain and fertility. Um, and it's just kind of evolved that way through the years. Um, but I absolutely love working with women. It's a bit of a neglected field in medicine. So, um, it's a real privilege to do this work, I think more than anything else. Amazing. And so, as you mentioned there, sort of fertility and getting people ready for pregnancy is one of your key focus areas. Mm -hmm. 
Um, is that kind of a, a specialism that you've come to recently or, or was that always at the forefront of your practice? Yeah, it's so strange the way it's evolved. So I originally trained as a paediatric nurse. So um, that was, you know, children and babies were kind of my main focus. And when I first um, set out my practice, I specialised primarily in babies and children um and then I started to realize that their mums were more sick than they were (laughs) and their dads were more sick than they were so um we gradually kind of went on to a slightly different track um and I've been doing a large amount of my practice has been fertility for the last year, I would say. It was this time last year that it really kicked up a notch that I realized there was more people coming to see me with the similar kind of symptoms um, regarding fertility and preconception and also people just wanting to be in the very best state possible for for having a baby so yeah it um it kind of has evolved over the last year but it's come from a place of of children really which is a is a nice place to start and why do you think that is now that you're seeing um you know aside from the women that come and see you just because they they want to kind of check everything's fine and be in the best health why do you think that it is now that we're seeing so many more people actually struggling in this area yeah gosh million dollar question so i think stress has a huge part to play in it and we have just gone through a year and a half of the most intense stress whether or not we know it or not so um if you think about the kind of sympathetic nervous system it's fighting and flighting and a pandemic will put you in your sympathetic nervous system even subconsciously and what we really want for um feeding and breeding is the um parasympathetic nervous system which i've seen in a lot of my clients is just not activated at the moment so um stress plays a huge role um worries about money is another massive subconscious part of this i think um and everyone's income has been slightly impacted by slightly or massively impacted by the pandemic and so that kind of shakes um, the foundation on which we stand and our ability to provide, et cetera, et cetera. So subconsciously, I think that plays a huge part in fertility. Um, thyroid issues, massive in the fertility um, sphere. It's the first test I run with every single preconception or fertility client is a thyroid with antibodies. Um, just because of the level of antibody results I get positively back um and that's certainly a big part of recurrent miscarriages that I see at the moment so I mean you know as well that the thyroid gland is 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 part of your metabolism it's it's on that HPA axis and so when stress starts to kick in the thyroid also goes offline and Mm. you know it's kind of the modern woman condition is a low thyroid so um thyroid plays a massive part in it um massive exposure to toxins um so there's some lovely studies that show the correlation between infertility and um live birth rates with pollution areas in london for example so i mean there's a real correlation there between the level of pollution and environmental toxins and our ability to conceive mm. um then we're looking at um emf so um, radiation from phone and laptops etc cetera, etc cetera. 
um, modern diet in of itself. The Western diet is high in um, omega-6s, low in omega-3. So we have an inflammatory pattern kicking in, massively high in um, refined carbohydrates. And um, not many people know how many portions of veg they're supposed to be eating. Um, the other thing I'm finding with my clients is their nutrient intake is always skewed towards fruit rather than vegetables. So just general nutrient deficiencies is a massive one. And then up here in Scotland, low vitamin D. Mm. It's massive. Um, and vitamin D is a fertility and conception nutrients. So something as basic as that, you know, can play a huge role in, in your conception. Yeah. So let's talk about this concept of it takes 12 months to make a baby, not nine. You know, we get pregnant and we think, um, right, that's it, nine months from now. But actually in in um, our kind of circles, we're all talking about 12 months hmm. because those three months before you conceive are crucial for, as I'm sure you're about to tell us, you know, onboarding all of those nutrient stores that you're going to need um, during your pregnancy. And especially when in that first trimester, you might only be able to eat Marmite on toast. Yeah. So you're not actually taking in a whole amount of nutrients. And I've got friends that, yeah, they just live on chips for the first um, trimester. You know, beige food is the kind of only thing people can stomach. So let's talk about those that, that kind of 12-month mark then. Yeah, yeah. I love the 12 months to make a baby. Gosh, if we could get that out as public knowledge, we would be in such a better place from a societal point of view as well. Um, yeah, so 12 months to make a baby. The reason for that is, is it takes uh, three months to mature an egg and three months to mature sperm. So it's both male and female, 12 months to make a baby. Um, and you really can have an impact on egg health during that time. It's incredible, um, absolutely incredible. So um, yeah, as you said there, it's onboarding all of those nutrients. So we're really wanting to flood the body with um vitamins and minerals, polyphenols and antioxidants. And I think what we could really try and get across as a message, um, if I had like one piece of wisdom to impart is do this before you struggle to conceive. So before you get into that infertility route, mm. if it's not, if there's not an explained reason for in infertility, quite often we can save people a lot of heartbreak by just doing really, really, really good preconception. Um, so yeah, the general idea of preconception is it's for everybody who wants to have a baby. The sooner you get onto it, the absolute better. Um, the earlier you get onto it, the absolute better. And the longer you do it for, the absolute better. So it's all just goodness coming in. Um, and how that really works is we're looking at flooding the body with those, with those micronutrients. So lots and lots of vegetables and nutrient dense vegetables. So not all veggies were created equal. Infertility, we're really looking at the kind of um, veggies that would be the same color all the way through. So um, you're getting that density of color. So sweet potatoes, broccoli, um, tomatoes, avocados, your green leafies, all the rest of it, beans, legumes, lentils, um, and just flooding the body with phytochemicals. Um, as you say, in that first trimester, people could just be existing on beige foods. And if you've done the work to prepare your body for that, um, the pregnancy will take less from you. Mm. Um, and it's a really good point about going into a pregnancy with nutrients on board, because 
baby is going to take everything from the mum at, at the expense of her reserves. Um, so baby is indiscriminate about nutrient consumption. Mm. Um, and then that has a knock-on effect through the pregnancy. So it has a knock-on effect on maternal health through the pregnancy, whether or not she gets gestational diabetes or not. Um, and then also a knock-on effect postpartum as well, because it affects your um, ability to breastfeed. Mm. Um, because again, that's another nutrient drain. So the more we can do to get nutrients into the body before baby gets on the scene, the absolute better. So what about those pregnancies that kind of crop up um, out of the blue? You know, none of this work has been done. Mm. Um, that happens to loads of people. Um, <laughs> lucky people. Lucky um, people. <laughs> and, you know, they have, they, they have, you know, healthy, happy babies, seemingly. Um, so is that just a... A stroke of luck, a genetic thing, a a um, you know potentially not having any stress or worry type scenario. What's going on there? Mm, it's a million dollar question, isn't it? And you and I could probably speak about for three hours about what that could be. You know, it could be that those are people without a snip on their NTHFR. Um, absolutely possible. Yeah. Um, stress, yeah absolutely possible um it could be that those are people who have better nutrient reserves in the first place you know some people just absorb their nutrients and retain them better than others um but yeah there is absolutely Mm. people out there who just get pregnant don't know about it and have a healthy happy baby um at the end Mm. but I would say that they are in the minority I would say that because it's not really about the baby in that first couple of hours as it's born tick there's a healthy happy baby it's the baby's health throughout that first to second year of life um so quite often um if mum hasn't really known she's pregnant or prepared for it and maybe not known until the second trimester you get more allergies autoimmunity um those kind of immune conditions um and we, it would be great, wouldn't it, to have a study that showed, that that followed mothers who had just kind of got pregnant and and their child's health when it, they were like seven or eight, mm. um, as opposed to those who had done preconception care. I would love to see a study on that. There isn't, um, but uh, there is definitely a lot to be said for genetics playing a huge role in those people and and luck of the draw, mm. um, and probably the proportion of of the health yeah so you mentioned you mentioned that um those uh children may may have a higher incidence of allergies or Mm. you know things like eczema asthma etc potentially autoimmune conditions now would that be because the mother potentially was um uh her immune system was overreacting whilst she was pregnant for example like you know if you didn't know that um, you were pregnant and you continued maybe having quite an inflammatory lifestyle, maybe consuming foods that didn't really work for your body. I mean, what is the mechanism there? So the mechanism would more from my point of view, looking at the child's health would be would be what's happening with, with its immune system. What nutrient potential does it have? Um, there's been loads of studies to show that mothers that take probiotics through pregnancy and omega-3 have children who have a lower instance of um, autism, autoimmunity and allergies. Um, also, those same kind of studies showing that mothers who um, 
breastfeed potentially with probiotics, so alongside the breastfeeding, have children who have lower um, instances of allergies and intolerances. And I don't know what you see in your clinic, but I see so many children with allergies and intolerances now. It's just absolutely rife. And again, the theories for why that's happening are multiple. But we do know that preventatively supplementation and, and certain foods in pregnancy can reduce the instance of that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's not so much what mom is doing, it's what she lacks. Mm, yeah. That's more the problem. Yeah. Okay. And I guess, as you were saying, you know, the first thing that we would do with the child with the allergies anyway, would be to look at what was going on in the gut. Um, yeah. and, you know, sort that out kind of on, on, you know, first, first things first. Um, so that's really interesting about the, the probiotics. So I want to talk about the men, you know, often forgotten, yeah. often neglected in this picture, because mm-hmm. let's be honest, their, their um, part is quite short, you know, they do their thing. And then after that, it's all on the woman's shoulders. But um, it's a small but vital role. Very vital. So let's discuss uh, sperm quality, yeah. um, you know, what constitutes good sperm quality, because What's really interesting for me is that um, so my husband and I have been through the first few, uh, rap, first stages of IVF, uh-huh. and so far he has done a um, a sperm count, I believe. Yes. And every time I say, "Oh, can you take your supplements today?" because obviously at some point we are going to do IVF properly. Um, can you eat? Better? Can you not have that? <laughs> can you? You know, I'm always I'm always annoying him about things and it it get it does get frustrating i am like a broken record but i'm always banging on about the sperm quality and he says no but i did that test and i i had really high levels and, and but i say no because that is just the quantity they don't measure the quality mm. so let's talk about it yeah morphology yeah uh-huh so actually male fertility sperm is probably my most favorite part of this whole spectrum and um, because it's it's just undiscussed it's just it just doesn't even feature does it and they are 50% of the equation as you said it's a very small role that they play but their dna their ingredient essentially is 50% of the cake so if we've got 50% of the cake not functioning not rising not doing what it's supposed to do then it's not going to be a brilliant cake or it's just not going to take in the first place this is a very strange uh, analogy for a nutritionist to be using I realize cake mm. um but um it is super super <laughs> important um so what constitutes good sperm good sperm um is dependent on how fast they're swimming so um the 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 speed of the sperm um how strongly they're swimming so whether or not they can actually go where they need to go the shape of them and then also the number so the morphology like how are the sperm shaped because you can have slightly defectant sperm that are um shaped wrongly and swimming all in circles they're not swimming straight so there's lots of tests that um IVF clinics can run to look at um sperm quality um and and speed and and morphology etc etc but they are super super pricey um and it would be like a specialist test that you would request um but yes um it's not just down to the number it's absolutely not down to the number because if you've got a healthy number but they're all swimming in circles and they're not the right shape then um that won't be doing anything at all 
so yes, what can affect sperm health? Um, same as what can affect egg health. Um, but specifically with men, it's antioxidants. Um, and specifically it's zinc. Um, zinc and CoQ10 are like the male um uh sperm nutrients, I would say, more than anything else. And men tend to be lower in sperm anyway, um, because uh, in sperm, in zinc. Anyway, because um, sperm itself is quite rich in zinc, <laughs> you know, um, sperm itself is is quite rich in zinc, and and they tend to lose that. So um, yeah, when you're when you're looking at sperm quality, the first place I would go is a strong methylated multivitamin, ten portions of vegetables a day, um, and then zinc supplementation on top of that. Mm so interesting isn't it? it it it's just as you say not talked about enough um and that analogy of it being 50 percent of the cake is perfect because I think that really really drives it home um and just quickly for for those listening mm. um food high in zinc obviously oysters yeah um but but what else would you be suggesting dietary wise for that for foods high in zinc so this is where it gets slightly tricky doesn't it because a lot of the foods high in zinc are um inflammatory um so looking at like nuts and seeds and things like that and that gets really tricky and that's where the nuance comes in i mean truly um anything like eggs fish um chicken are all good sources, beef. So those kind of animal sources of zinc. Yeah, absolutely. But from a vegan point of view, we'd be looking at sunflower seeds um, and beans and legumes. But I mean, they really, they really are highest in nuts and seeds. And that's where the inflammatory omega-6 comes in. So it's, yeah. I, I do prefer when it comes to zinc, I do prefer it supplementally um, because I know I can control the dose then and I know that they're getting a good amount. Mm. Um, but yeah, from a food point of view, yeah. tricky, very tricky. So there are, there are kind of two things that, that spring to mind in terms of, you know, what's common use commonly assumed to be unhelpful um, and that is alcohol and smoking Mm -hmm. but you know aside from that like the the picture is so much broader isn't it um you know is there anything else slightly more nuanced like caffeine for example you know we've mentioned those inflammatory um seed oils so poofers um from omega-6s um anything else cara that the the mud the expectant mother and and father should both be kind of wary of yeah, yeah, it's it's those big two, the big two smoking and um, alcohol. I mean, the studies on that are just shocking, actually, um, when you really dig into the, the live birth rates of mothers who have smoked and drank. Um, but yes, caffeine is a big one. Um, so we would still in fertility be allowing one cup of caffeine a day, preferably green tea um definitely preferably green tea but it's still there because people still need to function but the the less caffeine the better infertility poofas massive yeah and um, but broader than that it would be anything that would be creating a free radical in the body so smoked or barbecued food um those polyaromatic hydrocarbons are a big um issue infertility so that's your kind of smoked salmon smoked trout hams cured foods um and then your barbecue foods 
Um, and typically with men, we find mm. there's a lot more barbecue, smoked foods. Sorry, is that just is that just during pregnancy, or is that in the you know the the preconception too? You want to be looking out for those smoked foods, barbecued foods, mm. caffeine, um, etc. It would be in the preconception phase. Yeah, yeah, preconception. Because when you're when you're pregnant, there's there's a whole list of foods to avoid. Um, you know, you've got your soft cheeses and undercooked eggs and et cetera, et cetera. But in that preconce- uh, preconception phase, we'd really want to be looking at um at reducing free radicals and harmful, harmful chemicals and compounds. So yeah, smoked foods massively. Um, just because of their DNA. Mm mutating potential yeah um yeah interesting so apart from kind of dietary sources of concern then um let's talk about this idea of you know the whole body toxic burden because Mm -hmm. I think the most for me the most shocking thing about pregnancy and I just want to you know put a disclaimer on this and actually I might put one at the Mm. beginning of this podcast too just to say that you know, this is for information purposes only, and it's it's not diagnosed to um, terrify anyone or, or indeed to, to, to scaremonger or to worry people. But yes. one thing that fascinates me about pregnancy is that it is a detox for the mother. Unfortunately, the placenta will mop up that toxic burden. And recently, I've spoken about this on my Instagram account because um, I have a bit of a mycotoxin burden, which um, is a mold issue. Um, And I am very conscious that I would rather be rid of that before I conceive because Mm -hmm. in studies, they have found mycotoxins in the placenta. So, you know, the same goes for toxic chemicals that we either inhale or as you're saying you know pollution things that we put on our skin that are very um chemical laden as well um you know that is something to be aware of I think that this idea that you know when I when I um and this happens to me a lot too in clinic I'm sure it happens to you I see a lot of women who are past their childbearing years and um you know, they say, I, I felt so well during my pregnancy. I felt the best I'd ever felt. All my allergies and intolerances disappeared. I had bags of energy. And then now I'm kind of back at square one. And that for me is alarm bells because it, it shows that some of that toxic burden was offloaded and it's offloaded often through the placenta to, to the child. And yeah. it's it's kind of terrifying. So I think that this idea of, you know, those 12 months, in those three months before you conceive, that's a good idea. Mm. That's a good time to be cleaning up your environment, looking at your cosmetic products, looking at what you use to clean your home. I mean, is that something that you talk through with clients too, as well as the kind of nutrition piece and supplementation? Yeah, absolutely, Grace. Absolutely. And what you've said there about disclaimer, a disclaimer, and also it being slightly terrifying. I echo that a hundred percent. Um, Pre-pandemic, I used to go to London a lot to listen to Dr. Tom O'Brien talk about toxicity. <laughs> um, fun weekend for all. And um, and it really was terrifying what he had to say about pregnancy and um, toxicity. And there is some incredibly good um, studies, um, especially coming out of Norway into that. So um, it... <sighs> Yeah, so not only is it found in the placenta and pass on through the placenta, but then it 
the toxicity can also pass through breast milk um, and through breastfeeding, which is where my area of concern really, really lies, um, especially with um, PCBs and um, BPA, because those um, plastic chemicals mimic estrogen. And so they go to where there is estrogen receptors in the body. And one of the biggest um, areas of that in the body is the mammary glands um, is the breast tissue. So there has been studies coming out of Norway for several years into whether or not it is more beneficial to um, formula feed or breastfeed based on the level of toxicity in the breast milk. Wow. Purely down to, um, yeah, yeah, plastics being stored in the breast. Yeah. So, yeah, it's absolutely terrifying. So, so... So what you're saying about the three months, yeah, 100%. I always ask people to, if we are going to do a detox, that give me three months, like we are doing protected sex until then. Um, because if you are detoxing, you don't want that kind of going into, into a new pregnancy um, wherever possible. But I would say, and you'll know this too, Grace, it takes longer than three months to fully detoxify a body if you ever reach fully detoxed. I mean, it's a journey, isn't it? So the longer the longer time you leave to start preconception, the absolute better, um, because the more chance you have of detoxing safely. Um, and it would be lovely, wouldn't it, if we could have people do three months of a detoxification protocol with collation, which is super important to have a collator in there. Mm. And then three months of just nutrient density into the body. Um, that would be gold standard. Would you be able to just explain to those that are listening that might know not know what a chelator is? Yeah. Yeah, very good point. Uh, a collator is something that binds and excretes uh, a toxin or a heavy metal safely um, out of the body. Um, because when you are liberating toxicity, which is what you're doing with a detox, if you don't then collate it, if you don't bind it and excrete it safely, it can kind of go on and have another life in the body. So moving on from a slightly scary topic to a more positive one, um, supplements we've mentioned we've mentioned for the man that zinc and coq10 are really important mm -hmm. i would also just like to have to put an interesting side note here that in terms of dietary sources of coq10 heart is the highest it is. so next time you're at the butchers you know think about it um we all know i'm very we all know i'm very pro organ meats but in terms of um, supplements. There are some really lovely ones on the market for men specifically. And then for women, you know, when you go to, and again, speaking from experience, when you go to a your first appointment, or in my case, your first IVF initial consultation, mm -hmm. um, they will ask you, you know, are you taking folate? Um, and it's a simple yes or no. And I remember asking, um, yes, you know, do you have any recommendations or um, is there a brand that you particularly recommend? And I was kind of doing this not as a test because obviously I knew exactly which supplement brand I would like to use. <laughs> um, I was just really interested and um, was kind of given the answer, oh, it doesn't matter, just take any. doesn't matter, just take anything. Oh, gosh. But, you know, we know that supplement quality is really important. So um, do you have any um 
recommendations or, or favorite supplements. And obviously none of this is, you know, affiliated or anything like that, but just honest advice would no. be great. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely not affiliated. But yes, it's a very, very good point. And isn't it shocking that it's a simple yes, no. In fact, Foley is is as a reason that most people will come to see me is just, just to discuss folic acid versus folate. Um, yes, I do have brands recommendations. So I really rate um, Wild Nutrition for their fertility supplements, both from a male and female point of view. So they have a lovely range of food-based um, supplementation um, that is brilliant for conception. So we've got the fertility um methyl multi from them and we also have the male um fertility as well and they do some lovely coq10 and they do nice vitamin d as well very good probiotics um in vivo another (laughs) favorite of nutritionists everywhere in vivo do a lovely um vaginal probiotic which can be very helpful if someone has struggled with um repeated thrush or um other um kind of bacterial vaginosis, those kind of things, which can affect fertility as well. So in vivo for um, vaginal probiotics. I really rate um, Optibac's um, probiotic for pregnancy massively. Um, and then good old Bear Biology and just such a fantastic company. Um, they have a supplement, Mums and Bumps, and I recommend that to pretty much everybody who's on a conception journey um, because you are wanting to take that omega-3 not only for your preconception, but also omega-3 for pregnancy. Um, yeah, and then if you're wanting to increase certain nutrient potential in the body, like vitamin D or zinc or B12, you know, or even a little bit more folic acid or folate, um, then the BioCare Nutrisorb range is fantastic um, because you have complete control over that because it's a dropper. Um, and then as well, there's the, the benefit of it being sublingual. So it's not um, going through the hepatic first pass. So yeah, those, those, when I'm working in the fertility sphere, those are my preferred um, brands. And I really do stick to them because uh, the last thing you want is more toxicity or more rubbish coming into the body. So you want to be really, really, really sure that you've got high nutrient levels coming in and that they're clean. Cara, anything else to add? Any other main points that we haven't discussed that you want to raise? Yeah, I think one thing that's that's really struck me in the last year working in this this field is um the the idea of the fertile mindset. And I don't think that this is ever really touched on and we can get very clinical and we can run Dutch tests and metabolomic plus and look at the vaginal microbiome till the cows come home and you know you can get really 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 um clinically minded and that's great and that provides answers for certain people and it's and it's fab it's, it's it's where our main focus should be but i would say a huge amount of fertility is based around how we ourselves as women and men feel and um a colleague of mine who i work with um with our fertility supper club um has coined the phrase fertile mindset and i think she is absolutely right with that it's it's how are you going to call your baby into the world how are you going to prepare your mind for for that baby because if it's full of fear and scarcity and um guilt and shame then it's going to be much harder to conceive than if it was full of loving abundance um these notions of of mantra so it's my time i deserve this mm. you are wanted 
I am calling my baby in with love and compassion to myself and my partner. Um, mantras like that can be incredibly powerful and I've seen it do absolute miracles. Um, yeah, the other the other thing in that that slight vein is is the conversation around um, the most basic part of reproduction and it's sex. I really don't think as fertility practitioners, we talk about it enough. Um, and um, some women are of, often quite surprised that I'm asking about it. But if we're going to conceive naturally, and there's not a reason why conception would have to be done IVF, then the time at which you're having sex is incredibly important and the quality of the sex is important too. Um, so I have a lot of conversations with women around timing, around cycle tracking, around kind of just knowing their bodies um, and around that kind of shame, shame and, and sex chat. So um, yeah, that that is why fertility is just such a fantastic um space to inhabit because it's it's multi-dimensional it's it can be very very clinical we can look at nutrients we can look at supplementation we can look at testing but we can also look at mind body and and ultimately go back to that kind of rewilding right that kind of divine she um space so yeah I love it and I I love watching kind of women unfurl through that process as well and mm. trust their bodies because there can be a huge when you've been trying for two, three years and nothing's been happening and every IVF clinic has told you that there's nothing structurally wrong and, and they can't find a clinical reason as to why conception shouldn't be happening, the loss of trust in both partners' bodies is massive. It's huge. And so coming to conception from that space, how many blocks are there um mentally then um it's a huge part of my job to try and unpick that a little bit amazing amazing this has honestly just yeah. been a, a fantastic episode so much good information for everyone um I think, you know, once we've put this out into the world, if we get a flurry of questions, let's jump on an Instagram live and, and delve further because it's Absolutely. honestly, it's it's such an important topic. Um, and thank you so, so, so much for talking to us today. Oh, honestly, it's been such a pleasure. And you're absolutely right. It is a, it is a topic that always garners a lot of questions as well, right? Because it's it's you want to do the absolute best for your future child. And that's what this is ultimately about. It's about your future and also the, the future health of your family. So it's an incredibly important topic. And it something doesn't have to be wrong for you to do preconception, which is why it's so empowering. Thank you so much again for tuning in to State of Mind with me, Grace Kingswell. I really hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, if you have five minutes probably less please do head on over to the apple podcast app and leave a glowing five-star review and most importantly share this episode to your instagram stories get the word out share the podcast and share the love and thank you so much i will see you next week bye bye